0: You're listening to The Life of Tri. It's triathlon for your ears. Well, we are live from the Albino Tiger studio here. Uh, this is The Life of Tri, Phil Rockner, and a man, how did you get let into my country, Kevin McKinnon?
1: Well, and it's just, as I was saying, like, um, everybody has been so nice to me here. I just, I, so I'm like, so it's not all Australians. It's just Phil who doesn't like me. Um, yeah, but I'm same. sure actually everybody's quite happy that I'm on my way out tomorrow morning. So you can all breathe, breathe a sigh of relief. <laughs> but, um, I, whew, I tell you, it's been, uh, it has just been an amazing trip. Uh, they, they know how to do things. I, I have, I. Now that I've been here, totally get how a bunch of people voted this, you know, quote-unquote Ironman's best race of 2022. I think the wording officially was most satisfying, um, but uh, best is, uh, is totally deserved.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I, I started going to Cairns to watch this event when it was a challenge race. Um, and it was a really iconic place. Cairns, if you've never been to Cairns, it's, it's fucked. It's just weird, right? Like it's, you've got the Louis Vuitton store next to the backpackers hostel. Like it's really odd, isn't it? There's this really weird sort of juxtaposition yeah. of of the haves and the the don't wants, not even the have-nots, the don't wants. Um, you know, every person who works in Cairns is a tourist. There's very few locals, although I do know a few locals up there. Big hi to the uh, Scotty McGraw and the crew up there. Good triathlete, um, and there's a number of good people up there. But it is a weird joint, isn't it? I mean, it's and it's a it's, it's this weird place of paradigms. Like you can't swim there in high summer because of all the box jellyfish, and that you just get your ass stung off, and it's horrifying. Uh, when we first got there, Kevin, they used to go to a place called Yorkie's Knob. I don't know if you got out there, which is a weird enough name anyway, but the locals were flabbergasted that they were doing a triathlon there. They couldn't believe it. They're like, "What was there sharks. They're like, dude, don't worry about the sharks. The Crocs have eaten all the sharks. So it's a like classic kind of that Crocodile Dundee wild outpost still, isn't it? It's a, it's a cool place. It,
1: absolutely. And, you know, just fascinating, um, you know, they have their, they built this little lagoon like not I guess not in the center of town but over by the water um, because you can't swim over in that water that's right there although most of the time during the day it's it's um, the tide is so low it looks like kind of sandbars but um, the word is there's a croc out there that they've been trying to get rid of and he just you know is quite happy to stay and um, so yeah it's really funny and then um, they, uh, they do the swim. Oh, now I've taken a mind blank as to, um, where it is, but beautiful, beautiful beach. Um, and, uh, yeah, Palm just,
0: Cove, are they still starting up at Palm Cove? Yes, yeah.
1: Palm Cove. Thank you. Ah, uh, now uh, Kevin, oh, Kevin, Palm Cove,
0: where, Palm Cove. If you don't know it, folks, you can get a Coke for $11. It's gorgeous.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's cans is not cheap. Um, no, that sir. is one thing. Um, and and it's so funny, like so. Um, you know, I'm here. The tourism folks have, have brought me down to write some stories about the event and, and all all that. So um, I've been doing some touristy type things. And I was up in Corunda yesterday, and then uh, up in the uh, the rainforest. And then today I, I was out doing a uh, cruise, doing some snorkeling at the Great Barrier Reef, um, and it was just oh my goodness, just spectacular. But Um, I think there was one Australian employee on the boat, um, but um, every other accent, I'm pretty sure I heard a few South American, definitely a bunch of European um, accents, and uh, the one lone Aussie woman. Um, Everyone else is from somewhere else, as you were saying.
0: Yeah, and it's, look, and the race itself is great. You you strike good weather, it's gorgeous. I've been up there... Oh, I reckon I covered it probably six or seven years. Um, and there are days of... Del- Car, the, the great famous photo ninja, will, will attest to this. Like His camera gear and laptop once exploded with all the rain that it had taken on board during the day. Much to the delight of a few of us who are watching Portal. just curse this poor machine out of its mind um but it was a it really is a good spot the race itself is is great it goes through a um, heritage listed road so you ride up to port douglas which is another really beautiful spot as well um along that beach road is is brilliant Um, spectacular and And the
1: community the community like every single person you talk to um you know once they once they figure out well, yeah, they, they hear my accent or whatever. You're here for the Iron Man. How did it go? Um, like everybody, I mean, everyone. You, you can't buy a coffee without somebody asking you about um, about how your Iron Man was. And the entire community is into it. It is just such a refreshing experience. You know, when you're uh, having written how many million stories about, you know, Kona not wanting two days and um, yeah. all of this kind of thing, to be in a community that just Embraces this race left, right, and center is uh, is pretty spectacular.
0: And and it, the great thing about it is too, though, that there's a um you know it is accessible. Um, it is a fair ways up, but there's direct flights in there, and it's accessible. And um, yep. when you are there too, if you got it, if you get it right, it's like most of the destinations, isn't? It? If you get it right, you you plan a bit of a break around it. Like I had a you know good mate of mine, shock who used to go to, uh, all sorts of exotic. Ironman races and just plan holidays around it. do the race and then spend the next couple of weeks recovering and touring around, you know, like, and this is the ideal scenario. So it's little wonder that tourism has jumped on your, um, bountiful shoulders, um, and your, uh, and your ability to, uh, to talk to this because it, you know, I've got no, no dog in this fight at all, but I'd happily say that Kansas, um, you know, one of the favorites and I still, I think it's the premier race in this country.
1: Yeah, I I, whew, I would have a tough time arguing with that. I have not seen Ironman Australia. Uh, I Have been to Ironman Western Australia, which was a great event. But yeah, this is this is just a spectacular. And as you say, in terms of a destination event, hard to hard to top. And um, yeah, there, there were two hundred competitors from Japan um, here this weekend. Um, and you know, there's, there are direct flights from Japan into Cairns. So, um, you know, why not like six hours and, and they're here. So um, yeah, that's, that's pretty, uh, pretty easy for them. And um, I met a a guy from South Africa who lives in Hong Kong, who was doing his first 70.3 race here in Cairns. And you know, met him. When we were walking around a little bird sanctuary yesterday, and um, he was just loving life, loving the loving the uh, Ironman seventy point three experience, and loving the um, traveling around experience. He's spending the rest of the week here, so yeah, yeah, it, yeah, it is it's a, a, a great destination event, and you know what? Uh, like some really good racing. Um, it was, you know, unfortunate that there wasn't more of an international, uh, pro field here and I feel badly for them. Um, but, uh, whew, you know, you, you look at those, uh, those winning performances this weekend, you know, Kylie Simpson shatters the course record by seven minutes. Braden Curry takes the, the course record by a couple of minutes. Um, you know, there was some really good racing here.
0: Yeah. And it's, um, Look, Australia does struggle. I think Australia struggles to get great fields. They do. Um, they're never going to get the big fields that we see in Europe and, and America and North America. And it's just not going to happen. It is, as you said, a great destination to go to, but that's not what pros care about. Pros care about proximity, recovery, what they can do, um, how they can get to uh, a race, et cetera. You know, that, that's what they've got. So you're always going to get, you know, good local um, athletes getting around, yeah. You're just not sure but, you're going to get the big the big dogs getting over there. So, and
1: you know, I asked about I asked at the presser on Friday. I guess it was. Um, you know, I asked the guys, hey, would you like to see more international types here? And uh, pretty much all of the pros who were there said we we encourage everyone to come. Like we'd love to see every you know more people come here. Uh, but Braden Curry, put, I think really nailed it. He said, I totally get why no one wants to come here in June. Um, He says, when I go up to Europe, I feel like crap for two weeks. He said, I don't feel like I have a decent workout until I've been in, you know, up there for two weeks, which all makes sense. Getting used to the time change, all of that stuff. Um, And so for a race, a big race in June, like it would makes no sense for a European pro to come down here. Um, they, they yeah. don't have, you, know, you want to give yourself a block of three weeks to get ready. Um, and then you're going to go back and need a bunch of time to get ready. And there are already so many big events happening in your backyard. So back in the days, you know, you and I both remember the days when Ironman Australia was a huge deal and you had these amazing fields, but there were. Seven and nine and 12 Ironmans around the world. And Ironman Australia happened in the winter for the Northern Hemisphere people, so yeah. they could come down here, get some great training, and get a race done. Well, you know, Can sits in the in the middle of a very competitive North American scene now, and Western Australia is at the tail end of all of that. Everyone's just whipped. Um, so you're you know you're coming to Western Australia if you're you know you didn't have a great Kona and you want to try and get stuff rolling for next year. Other than that, you're really not coming. And then um, Ironman Australia is right now at the beginning of May. It's a tough one to fit in too. So yeah, it's, it's going to be a challenge for these guys to, to get the big competitive fields. Um, but they are, you know, they're, they're cruising along, putting on great races. And there are a lot of good athletes in this region who can make for
0: some good racing. And you'd have to think too that they probably don't care. You know, like it's not, they they are like for, for the exact reason that you've just articulated, I don't think they would care. I think, you know, obviously it's always nice to get a few, you know, big um, names down there. But if you're filling out an age group race and you've got plenty of entries and you've got a halfway decent, I mean, you know, you look at the results there. Braden Curry wins in 750. Steve McKenna goes 801. Van Berkel goes, what, eight. Eight four and change. Um, I want to talk about the fourth place person as well because he's an old favorite of mine. Um, but you know, like those boys there are still racing at a really good level. Steve McKenna's on the up, obviously. Braden Curry's class, and and Burkes is just a guy who who knows how to you know hurt himself. That kid, he's um, yeah, he's a guy who really does uh, like to put the uh, the hammer down and see what he can do. He's an inter- entertainer and the ink on the, on the, uh, on his body too, all moving pictures himself. Um, Sensational. So.
1: Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, So the one thing I will say to that is if there are are two countries where the pros do get a fair amount of attention, it would be Australia and New Zealand. Um, You know, so there was a, a cameraman up here from, uh, Christchurch, who was feeding stuff down for, is it TV Seven? I can't remember what the TV station is down in um, down in New Zealand. Um, so it was a big deal, uh, Braden stuff. Uh, you saw it on the on the um, newscasts here. Um, the uh, so so this is a media market where you actually get a little bit more attention, believe it or not, um, than, uh, than other, other parts of the world. So it is a shame, but it's, 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 it's just not going to happen with the, with the current status quo of things. So it's going to be a tough one.
0: Interesting to notice though, I was sitting at home and I was catching a bit in and out of the, of the broadcast. And my little Twitter started to, uh, get a little bit of action. And there were, um, some dudes starting to talk about the, uh, the albino tiger, the man himself, the man, the myth, the legend of a Pete Jacobs, who was on the rise during the race. And I, you know, I, you know, I, I, I'll say this Pete Jacobs, you know, ran a pair of two forty marathons in Kona, um, you know, to establish himself as a world champion and a worthy world champion. That battle with uh Michael Rayler was it, or Andreas? Would have been, Andreas, uh, Andreas. Yeah, good
1: Andreas? I should remember no, that. Would have been no, it it'll was be Andreas. it uh, Andreas. It was definitely not Michael.
0: No, no it wasn't uh, Michael. I was Andreas?
1: Think, yeah, it was Andreas? Was that a year Andreas was second again?
0: Yeah, work, and right? they were running. They were running. I mean, I might have told this story before, but they were. He was. I've worked with Pete after this on the in the commentary booth, and um, he tells the story of when he was running and stopping, and Macca was just riding next to him, and you know, Chris McCormack that was, and was giving him a bit of what for, and you know, a bit of encouragement, that kind of work, and then a guy just starts yelling out to him like from a foot away, "Eat the pain." eat the pain because <laughs> if that guy said that to me I would have punched him in the mouth but of course I'm not the albino tiger and Pete Jacobs just started running of course run himself into a world title and post world title Kevin you know what the scrums liked for the world champion oh. and he did host broadcasting first he looked across at me and said come on Phil you're next I'll never forget that um and so I just sashayed my way past ESPN and everybody else, and um, we had a conversation. He was a very, very good man with his time and and very open with us. He was, um, you know, he was a really good gem. So it was a really fun thing to watch the rise of the Albino Tiger, and we labeled him that because we never know what we were going to get, Kevin. We never knew with him, race in, race out, what you were going to get. Crazy times.
1: Yeah, no, and, and so I just did look that up. Yep, it was Andreas Raylert. Second in uh, 2012, and then, um, yeah, and and you know, Pete set everything up with that great run in 2010 to come second to Chris McCormick. Um, so, or sorry, uh, no, Craig Alexander in 2011. There's what I'm looking for. 2011, he came second to Craig Alexander, and Andreas was third that year. So, um, you know, they <laughs> he managed to beat andreas again and uh, they both moved up one spot on the podium
0: and that was a time when a 240 marathon was not i mean again think about where we are right like this is not that was not regular um and he backed oh. it up twice because he was racing for that oh i had the purple kid on the brown kid it was not try to buy it was one of those he was racing for one of those groups and then the following year he went crazy and 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 won the race but um you know how did he look out there you would have seen him firsthand what were your impressions yeah, so did I, you think so he was going to go big
1: i did not think that he was um i figured i figured third somewhere between third and fifth was kind of what i was predicting um and uh i saw i was i was chatting with luke mckenzie um and uh you know luke was sort of saying uh that he I guess a few years ago here in Cairns, um, Pete looked awesome in the water as he always always seemed to, and then um, just got spat out the back of the bike group quite early on here in Cairns. And um, so everyone was kind of waiting for that to happen. And um, the the first three managed to finally drop him. So I, w- I want to say that was somewhere in around 140, 150K. Uh, so he kind of hung in there, but once he wasn't with those three anymore, I sort of figured the win was out of, out of possibility. Um, and, you know, Curry and, and McKenna sort of cleared themselves out from everybody else in the field at that point. Um, so, yeah. So I figured he was racing for third or fourth and um, ended up coming forth. Uh Van Burkle kind of ran him down, but, solid race. I think he's 41. Would that be correct? Um,
0: yeah. He'd be that, he'd be that vintage. Yeah, for sure.
1: Yeah. So, you know, heck that was pretty impressive 41 and, and racing with these guys and um, yeah, very exciting to see. But yeah, I, I had a really good feel. I interviewed Braden on Thursday and I came out of that interview kind of going, Whoa, this guy is ready to go. And he is confident, and he's got things dialed in. So um, I was pretty sure uh, Braden was going to be um, you know, pretty unstoppable, and so I, I, I didn't ever think anyone else was really going to be in contention for the win.
0: No, and look, you know, he's clearly the class act of the uh, of that group. Um, McKenna's a kid on the way up, and. Like we said, Burks is a guy who has been thereabouts for so long and has gone plenty, um, you know, plenty deep in plenty of races. The Kylie Simpson story is an interesting one, though, isn't it? Because she, you know, coming off uh, a win at Ironman Australia, like literally, um, you know, a few weeks back. But then the swim, when you give up 12 minutes, that's. Oh, goodness. (laughs) And it
1: was was over 12 minutes. It was closer to 12 and a half than it was to 12 um so yeah it was i just assumed there was no way um and uh she, you know she sort of gradually built up time and then she just had this one block where she suddenly surged and gained a whole pile of time and so i was um i was quite surprised to see her right with um Radka Kalafelt and uh Sarah Crowley um, yeah. she was just a few seconds behind I was maybe 1k from uh, from t2 uh, when yeah. I saw them and she was just a few seconds back and I was like whoa that is that is one heck of a ride and then she followed that up with an incredible run as well uh, I guess she she comes from a running background so um, so yeah you know Unbelievable race uh, for her, and setting a new course record by over seven minutes. And um, yeah. yeah, you know Sarah Crowley. Um, I, I had written a story, um, the headline five weeks ago: Sarah Crowley broke two ribs and her sternum. Somehow, she's still racing in Cairns. Or in Cairns, yeah. sorry, I keep doing that. So you know, it, <laughs> the, the 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 wheels fell off for her just before the half halfway point of the marathon. Um, but gussie performance and, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I know Sarah, the last thing she would want to do is take away from Kylie's performance, you know, like Kylie had an amazing day and, and there was no one touching her and uh, And, Cowell felt great day too. Sorry.
0: That's okay. And you can't, I mean, that's what a good pro does. Like, you know, if you're not on, you're not on, if you're coming back from an injury, so be it when you take the start line, You take the start line and, and I think, you know, I, I get for years, I've been sick and tired of a race, B race is not my mark. You know, you know what, get on the line you race and that's what happens. And then if you don't get up, then again, you're, um, you're not excuse ridden. You're just, this is how it is, you know? Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I like the fact that, you know, I mean, Jesus, it's brave, isn't it? Two ribs, sternum, pretty, pretty essential, things to breathe Things for breathing it's funny how that works Um, isn't it crazy though i I mean kevin if i broke two ribs in a sternum i'd be out for probably about six or seven years i would be done you know i'm packing it up i get i get the sniffles i I lay in bed for a few days you know like this uh this phenomenal effort to get up there and race um yeah
1: no very 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 tough cookie no two ways around that. She came in honestly believing, well, I don't know if honestly, she was at least saying that she believed that she'd been able to do the training. I found out afterwards, like she was struggling on the bike because she hasn't been outside in, you know, since the accident. She's been you know, basically riding on a trainer because they were afraid she'd fall and mess up her ribs again. So um, so <laughs> you know, exclusively indoor training to riding outside and in the win, you know, so uh, I, I think it was going to be a tough call uh, to get this win, but um, she went for it, and uh, and I just, you know, the fact that she was going for it um, makes Kylie Simpson's race that much more impressive, um, and then you know, people here were so excited, well, the supermom, Radka felt she's just unreal, um, she is loving this Ironman life. Um, and I distinctly remember um, two different interviews I did with Rodka Califeld in which she said that she would never do an Iron Ironman. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I spoke with Brad, Brad um on the sidelines and I said, yeah, she's really into this now. And he's like, yep, she just loves it. So that was neat. Um, and then so many people were excited for Penny Slater, who's finished fourth here twice. Um, and for her to get to move up one spot onto the, uh, onto the podium uh, for third was uh, really exciting for a lot of people.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's a great one. Um, she's <laughs> the carterfelt's just seem to be around forever. Brad was, I mean, Brad was the premier runner in the, you know, that world triathlon uh, set up for years. Um, and he was, every bit as good as anyone in the world when he was going as well. Um, And Radka's, uh, yeah, when you find your niche, man, you, you you know, even at old age, you can still get it done. I'm not saying she's old. I was just thinking of Pete Jacobs then who's, you know, an old man. (laughs) Uh, Gwen Jorgensen, Kevin, surges back to the Olympic pitcher with a second place on the weekend. Now, how do you pronounce where they race? Because I'm sure I'm going to butcher this like an absolute champion.
1: Oh, so this
0: weekend, uh, where was this weekend? And Huatulco. Thank you. Huatulco. Uh, nice result. She's back in town. Is she or not? Where do we see this result on the Jorgensen uh, spectrum of comebacks? So I was in Cagliari um,
1: to watch her um, get lapped out of that race. Um, and she looked, she looked just awful in the water, like so uncomfortable. Like it just... Um and there were a bunch of people standing around the sidelines um as she came out of the water, kind of shaking their heads, going, wondering how on earth this Olympic goal was was going to be achievable um based on what they were seeing in Cagliari. And so that's why I was so excited for, you know, yeah. Gwen, you know, Gwen is, you know, such a Um, such a great person, so inspiring and, and, you know, I guess what I was so impressed with was truly a gutsy performance and what a turnaround. So to go from that event in Cagliari where things could not have gone worse. And, you know, I was like, they're basically thinking, I just don't see how she gets into the mix. and. Uh, then throws down that amazing performance in Huatoco. um That is great., uh, so yeah, it's it's still a very much long shot, right? Like you look at that American team and yeah. um, it is just silly. all of the folks um, that that, you know, uh, Taylor Nib, who we need to talk about because she just signed another crazy uh, crazy deal um, over the last couple of days. Um, but you know, you've got Taylor Nib, you've got uh Taylor Spivey, um, you've got Katie Zafaris, you've got Gwen Jorgensen, um, and then you know, there's a host of other women who um could see themselves in this mix as well. So hmm. it is um it's still a long shot, but Gwen Jorgensen just kind of sent a message to everybody not to counter out quite yet.
0: No, and any athlete who can openly sort of talk about mentally choking when you've got a gold medal around your neck, that's freaking hilarious. But, you know, if uh, that's how she felt, that's how she felt. It's certainly a um, an interesting take on her last race, not this one, but her last race. So, yeah, yeah. good on her for being open. Uh, and that event too was, um, yeah, it's an interesting one because your boy also, uh, Tyler Chuck. Tyler Mislachuk, um,
1: Tyler. The, like if if I can't imagine there's a better race on the planet for Tyler. Um, you know he he excels in sprint events. Um, he loves the heat and humidity. Um, so Huatoco is just fantastic for him, um, and uh, he's just he he won it twice. Uh, so was it that 28, 20, 2019 and 2021, and then last year got out sprinted, and, and then uh, you know was right in the mix again and got out sprinted again this year. So, um, so two wins and two second places. I'd say that's a pretty good record of racing. Um, yeah, obviously Tyler would have liked to win, um, and uh, I will get to see Tyler racing on Saturday. In uh, Montreal, so I'm really looking forward to that. He's obviously uh, kind of getting himself into good form, and uh, congrats yeah. to David Castro Fajardo from uh, Spain who uh, who took that sprint.
0: Yeah, it's a uh, a nice uh, nice bit of work, and all these races are interesting at the moment. These pre Olympic years are always fun to watch. It's just a shit fight, and to see who's going to do what. Um, and see who goes where. Especially, as you said, you know, some countries, it's straightforward, isn't it? They're just going to – their their top Gs are going to walk straight in. But, the you know, these stacked countries are going to be interesting to see what happens. Again, Britain is – or the UK's uh, – England's got a problem with that as well, given the, like, depth of what they're running. So that'll be a fun one.
1: And uh, I'm still uh, catching up because I've been
0: just busy here in Cannes
1: doing all of this stuff. But um, I need to get my story up about um, uh, Ironman Austria um, oh, and the big Austria.
0: war. Well, good eye, mate. Um, sorry, I was doing a bit of Dumb and Dumber there. Yes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> throw another shrimp on my bar. Oh, uh, I know. I've been a long time up today. Yeah. Um, Interesting, yes. There's a couple other races that went down too. Like um, I think we might have glossed over the 70.3 boulder as well, um, and that was a little bit a little bit of a ways back. But Sam Long, who's been on this run, super run, um, and interesting too. Uh, post race was a post by Sam Appleton talking about um, his drafting penalty, um, and interesting. <laughs> About how, you know, his first drafting penalty in 10 years and, but, you know, he thinks it's unfair and that kind of stuff. And, you know, good on him for coming out and being respectful to the race, et cetera, and sort of giving it a bit of what for that's, that's all good. I don't think there's a problem with that, but, um, Kevin, I guess too, in our absence, we have missed, um, one of the sort of bigger stories and not for the good, um, about, uh, Hamburg and, um, a lots come out about that. And, and I guess it's kind of died down after the last couple of weeks, but you know, when it initially happened, it was a fairly hot story and as it should be. Um, and I'm not talking about it to be sensationalist. I'm talking about it because this just doesn't happen now. You and I have spent uh, an, a many years, you're still at it, um, you know, floating around the world. And I spent a decade on the back of a motorbike taking photos. And, um, you know, I always, again, hindsight's the perfect science. I'm not, and I'm not, critiquing this. I wasn't there. You were there. I'm going to hear from you in a minute, but you know, Daly car, the great photographer used to always say to me, he said, Phil, get your photos done in the first lap because the second lap is a shit show age groupers, yep. traffic, all sorts of things going on. We always had a rule, get your work done. If you want those glorious pro photos, get them done in that first lap and then get off the course and we would often do that not that i was doing it oh well you know it was a safety concern but i wasn't i never seriously thought this would happen and i'm surprised that i'm going to pick my words carefully here um you know it was always on the cards with that many sorts of moving pieces in a in a in a in a course so you know it it's it's a tough one and it you know at the end of the day someone lost their life and that's tragic um and you know, the pros witnessed it. And there's a lot of conversation around that as well. And I I spoke to a couple of insiders who I know about it as well. And I do that off, off Broadway. I don't need to, you know, sensationalize this or make some grandiose post on my measly little, you know, Twitter following or whatever it is. I don't do any of that, but I quietly asked a few people about it and you were there, Kevin. So I'd like to get your take on a couple of things. Um, And first of all, it's the, the course and, and what was going on there. And you know, people raising questions about the why the pros didn't stop, um, and I've seen it get a couple of times. And I actually got direct message by someone who said, "You know, why didn't the pros stop? They all witnessed it. So why didn't they stop? You know, if you'd seen that in a you know in a normal societal situa- situation, would you stop? It's a lot a lot of moving parts here. But you were there, Kevin. If yeah, you can, so, talk us through it.
1: So yeah, and and I I appreciate thank you because I I did ask that we sort of talk about this just because I wanted to get a few things out about my frustration that there were a lot of armchair quarterbacks, even while this was all like minutes after all of this was happening, I was seeing stuff come up on Instagram and everything and just, you know, without any context, like people who are on literally on the other side of the world, who suddenly were experts at on, on all of this, and uh, there were a bunch of us who were right there. So I wasn't right on the scene. I rolled in uh, a few minutes after all of this, um, and it it was absolute bedlam out on the motorcycles. Um, you know, Frank Vesel described it as wild west. Um, what happened was there was no there was no marshaling around the lead pack so um you know i i've never actually been on a moto in kona um, but i have at other world championship events where you know they have a marshal who you know you roll up to um they're they're well behind the the lead pack and you kind of roll up to the marshal and say hey this is what i want to do and i i personally never take photos or i take them as we're flying by but i don't have an interest in being on a motorcycle next to the guys as they're riding. I want to go past them. I want to get 10k up the road, get myself set up in a really neat scenic spot and take photos as they fly by. That's what I'm there for. And so I come up to that marshal. I say, hey, we're just going by. He waits for an appropriate time and and signals me through. The video guys will come up and say, hey, I need the third person in that line. I need Jan Ferdano, I need whatever. And the marshal will say, okay, you can go up there. You've got 30 seconds or one minute to get your shot. And then you need to keep going forward. Or he says, or I want you to come back. So that kind of thing. That wasn't happening. So what happened was you had a bunch of motorcycles who were all trying to figure out how to get. A lot of us wanted to just get past. Some people wanted to get in and get and get shots. And there was nothing coordinating all of that. There was no communication. And so it just made for a kind of a crazy scenario. I was on the motorcycle with a, a guy who'd never done it before. Um, and uh, it I'm pretty it was probably about sixty k fifty k into the bike ride before we were finally able to get clear and get ahead. And um, when we got back on the motorcycle after I got my shots, he said, are we doing that again? And I said, absolutely not. Like we are just going to, we're going to, I want you to go down the road behind all of these guys. We're going to find a spot and I'm going to get them on the way back through the second loop. And then we're going in. Um, And And can uh, I just
0: stop you there, Kevin? That's I've done motorbikes in Kona and you're right. They have the Californian highway patrol and they give you 20 seconds to pass. And if you take longer than 20 seconds, they come up and they, kick you in the head yeah Um, but i've also done what you've done as well you know iron or triathlon rookies on motorbikes and it's up to you to try and educate them but that's incredibly difficult because you've got a job to do and it is a job it's not just spectating it's a job um and you've got uh you know you've got to get past and you've got to do that i was always a video person as well so i was Telling my motopilot, you're going to ride up, you can't go near him or her. You've got to, you know, position yourself next to that athlete for 10 seconds and then make your pass, but you can't block their wind and you can't. But by the time I can't tell them that as it's unfolding, I've got to talk to them prior and there's a lot to take on board, Yeah, you know? And at the end of the day, people are, aren't they? They're just trying to do the best job they can. No one goes out there to do that. But it's inherently, as you said, and you have the good sense. I've ridden with a guy at Port Macquarie once who was so ridiculously reckless that after about 40 Ks, I said, dude, drop me off. We're done. You're a lunatic, you know? Um, And I just said, I'll I'll, I'll do a lap and get off because I don't trust what's going to happen here. Now, again, I'm not saying, and I'm not casting judgment on any racing or anything like that. I I wasn't there. I, I, you know, there's none of But you know, we've all been in that position.
1: Yeah. So, and, and sorry, I'm taking probably way too long running through all of this stuff. So anyway, uh, no, this, it's important, where, Kevin, this it's is important. how we ended up. This is how I ended up a few minutes behind. So I roll in and there's a cop on the road stopping me and, um, and I look up and I can see there's, you know, a bunch of people around and I can see a couple of bikes down. And um, so, you know, the police officer says you need to stop here. So I got off the bike and um, waited a few minutes, and started. I think we we saw ambulances come in, then we saw the helicopter start to fly in, and all of a sudden we started to see athletes. So what happened was the athletes had been stopped on either side, and the police were only able to you know basically hold them for so long, and then they just. They just decided, hey, we're going to keep going. They ran up the bank and and across and down again. Um, and as I started to see that, I figured, oh, I'm going to go up and just see what's going on. I walked up on the bank, and I saw another media person, and I was like, holy jumping! I didn't realize those guys were still here. Um, so I walked over, and this this media person was just sitting on the ground, head um, head between his knees, and I was you know kind of worried that something had happened to him. So I. Went to check, and I once I got there, I looked up and realized that most of the people who had been on motorcycles with me that day, like people who I've come to call really good friends, were all down on the road around there. And so I went down to see, you know, if, if you know, Ingo Cooch and Frank Vessel and um, uh, you know, some of the other guys, uh, you know, just if they were okay. And um, then suddenly found myself right in the mix. You know, the police officers were coming up and asking what I had seen and what what had gone on and and all of this stuff. And we, you know, got to unfortunately watch the the uh, folks taking care of the um, athlete who had gone down and the two people who were on the motorcycle. Um, and so you know, we're sort of seeing all of that, and then you know, the phone, the phone start buzzing with people making Instagram posts about, you know, what had just happened and, and how um, all of these things that have been screwed up. And yes, there were tons of mistakes. Absolutely. But, you know, people need to um, need to have some insight, have some background before they just start throwing things up. As it was basically the thing that I wanted to say. So, you know, as, as we were all sitting there reeling with what we were watching um, to see some of the stuff, the comments that were made and, and everything was um, yeah, it was it was really frustrating to see. Um, and, and don't get me wrong, uh, lots of mistakes made uh, for sure. Uh, but uh, people need to just be that little bit patient. Um, and then some of the reporting afterwards as well, or shortly afterwards, where you know they were reporting on um, on the, the person who um, had had died and um, that kind of thing. Um, you know, w- there's a reason we need to wait for official reports to come from Iron Man and to come from the police because no one should ever, ever learn, or have to figure out that a loved one has passed away um, from something they saw on Instagram, something they saw on Facebook, something they saw on Twitter, or something they saw on a website. Should never happen. And, uh, you know, as responsible journalists, we need to make sure that kind of stuff doesn't happen. So,
0: Well, um, and it's also we've become such a world of broadcasters. You know, you carry a broadcaster in, in your pocket every day, you know, and it's so yeah. easy to do that. And Josh Am- Amberger was, you know, very vocal on this. Um, and he did say that he expected the race to be neutralized. Um, he did say also that he felt dirty and disgusted that he continued to race in those conditions and had upwards of 18 motorbikes following him at one point. It's, yeah, it doesn't work. It's easier to sit here and say that. And I don't want to, you know, I don't, you know, but forever there's been, and we've been doing this for a hundred years, you and I, there's always been motos on course. There's always been traffic and obviously there will be a full review from Ironman about how they conduct. And I would imagine getting a motorbike to get out on course in any race these days is going to be near impossible.
1: Yeah. uh, Those days, uh, certainly when there's a broadcast, um unfortunately that and those days are probably done for us um and that's what you know is frustrating because to me there is a safe way to do all of that um but no one is going to want to talk about that want to look at that and I totally get it and I also just wanted to say on the athletes behalf um I um I don't think it I don't think it was wrong at all for them to continue moving um, in that scenario because, you know, you, you see people go down, but you don't know what's happened, right? Um, so, you know, it, it could be somebody um, like they, they didn't know that somebody was potentially going to have died from that crash. Um, and so, and there were certainly, you know, the athletes weren't going to be able to help. There were people right there. Um, the police, as I said, were, were in and around all of that. So they weren't going to help in that scenario. If they if there had not been any emergency crews around, yes, I'm with you. 100% like the athletes need to stop. They need to do everything, but they weren't bringing anything to that table. There were so many, so many people right in and around that. So um, and the other thing that, uh, you know, I do think, you know, the German uh, the German broadcast was stopped almost immediately. And mm-hmm. um, Iron Man has now or Andrew Messick has basically said, you know, we absolutely should have stopped yep. the broadcast or or at least taken a break. Um, yeah. And even just, you know, that that it was so unfair to the, the you know, Greg Welch and I can't remember who was uh, working with them um, on that broadcast. Um, you know, just so unfair to have to try and keep going after after seeing something like that.
0: Um, I know, yeah. and it's it. I don't think you know because this has not happened before. I don't think there's a playbook. There's not a playbook for this. There's not a right and wrong answer. It's it's what do you learn from this so that this is not, you know, a, an episode that reoccurs and and that it's not um, through that tragedy you know, hopefully more lessons can be learned to keep people safe. It's a sh- shockingly bad scenario that doesn't get any worse than what happened. It just doesn't. It, You know, nothing's going to bring that, the um, you know, that back or reverse time or anything like that. But it's what do we learn now and what does I Man do in that? Yep. And I think Messick's played the, the right bat there. What else is he going to say? You know, he had nowhere else to go with that other than to say, yeah, I agree. They shouldn't have been, you know, maybe they should have neutralized the race. I don't know. But again, in the, in the, that heat of the moment and in that not knowing exactly what was going on, because there was all the assessments medically wise going on and what, what do you do there? You know? So the pros are going to have to live with what they saw and, and live with how they, what, what went on with that.
1: Yeah, no, and absolutely. And, and, um, how do you, how do you, like, I don't know that you can neutralize a race. It's not, um, So what do you do? You tell the guys in the the lead pack, okay, everyone sit up and bike slow while we figure out what's going on here. And then you've got, you know, the guys that they've spent all this time getting a 10 minute lead on who now are like, are they going to slow down too? And how does that work? So, um, to me, it's you either stop the race or you don't. Um, and that's, you know, and the, there's so many people I, 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 I would just, again, um, people need to just take a deep breath before they jump on everything and Correct. seriously ask themselves, what would I have done in that scenario? Um, because I think you know there are lots of age group athletes who would have been stopped and then said, well, can I just run up that bank and keep going? Like I've been training for this Ironman for um, X number of months, and I've spent this much money to come to Germany and all this stuff. And so I think a lot of, I think a lot of people would do that. Um, so, you know, it's, but then all of a sudden, many of those same people are quick to jump on the bandwagon of, Oh, they should have stopped. Well, yeah. Yeah. yeah so, um, but yes, uh, just to come back to, I, you know, Iron Man, I think we'll, we'll now have a lot more things put in place uh, to handle all of that. Um, and uh, I do also want to really emphasize, yes, Mistakes were made for sure. I'm not trying to, I'm not yeah. trying to defend anything here. As I said, it was, it was crazy out there. Um, there absolutely needed to be some marshalling. Um, you and I both know that there are always, you know, crazy numbers of motorcycles out there um, when there shouldn't be. But uh, I just want to also say an, in Iron Man's defense, uh, you and I have both been in the room when the poor media guys uh, from Iron Man are just getting screamed at by people because they weren't given a motorcycle or weren't given the opportunity to get out there. Um, and many of those same outlets <laughs> yeah. were the first ones to be critical uh, that there were too many people on the course. I'm like, are you joking? Um, yeah, so, yeah. pull your heads um, in so there's, there are a lot of lessons to be learned on all different things. Um, And this was a truly tragic situation. Um, And uh, yeah, so I, I don't know if I have really enlightened or brought anything to the table other than I just wanted to get that out of, you know, some of the frustrations we had that it just felt like a lot of people were jumping on, on a bandwagon early without a whole lot of context.
0: Well, you were one of the first people I messaged um you know and i as i said i spoke to a couple of insiders who i'm not going to name because that's not how it works um and and asked some questions around that you know um rather than jumping on social media and being a dick about it um yeah you know and i, I did
1: appreciate that because i i felt like your response um you sort of listened to what i was saying like you know um don't you know i i, I feel like i i can't remember i'd have to look at the message but i I kind of said, you know, the pros were reacting. I would not like it was crazy out here. And um, no one on on that front did anything wrong in my mind. Um, and uh, yeah, it, and it was just funny. We all just assumed the race was going to be stopped. Um, like most of us just figured our day was done as we were standing around and watching all that craziness. So it was really difficult. Uh, you know, one of, one of my really good friends, um, Frank Vestal, um, he went from that, uh, he's trying to get back on his motorcycle, comes across another accident, has to help an athlete who's got a broken collarbone until the ambulance gets there to take care of him. By the time Frank got back to the to the media room, he just sat around. He did some finish line shots, but that was it. He didn't get out yeah. on the run course at all um
0: hey he's a good uh, human too frank he's a very good human so best
1: on the planet and um and and after that i was like oh man what's wrong with me that i was out on that run course but it sure didn't feel good it um you know it was it was a tough one and it really hit me um on the uh like because on sunday you're just working you got the adrenaline going you're doing interviews you're getting stories posted you're doing you know trying to get the official statements and um, it was the next day when I was in, um, jumping on the plane from Frankfurt back home that it really hit me, um, of what all had gone down and, uh, yeah, it was, it was, a, it was definitely a tough week.
0: Absolutely. And we appreciate you saying that, man, I know, like you, you know, you're right in that maelstrom of it, um, appreciate the, the insight of course. And I, I, like I said, I, you know, more, more information, less outrage. You know, that sort of culture of outrage that people just love to jump onto these days and open up, you know, um, without really knowing fully everything. And until you do, um, probably keep your powder dry before you jump on the nearest thing that's sitting on your phone and opening up an app and, uh, you know, inventing something that's probably not well placed and you're not well placed unless you're sitting right there so uh Kevin yeah. I appreciate that that's a tough thing to talk to mate that's that's a that's a wrap for us this week mate um just, we'll be... uh,
1: just quickly mention uh Taylor nibs signing with um, uh oh good grief uh the trek pro team check trek, trek Segafredo
0: yes um, saw that
1: <laughs> so uh, big news on that front I'm just about to get that story posted on the site now so we can talk about that more over the next little bit after what is it her big thing is she's going to ride us nationals. So um, I called her the triathlons it girl last year. And uh, I think she is like, she's the real deal.
0: Yeah. It's um, you don't get signed by a pro team unless you know what you're doing, mate. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) Safe travels uh, leaving my country. Um, we appreciate you as always, um, being down here and covering us. Of course, if you've got anything that you want to know about, uh, the world of triathlon, get on to triathlon magazine, Canada, it is the home of Kevin McKinnon and the home of the best journalists, uh, in the business, writing, uh, all things triathlon. So make sure you hit him up and, uh, check out what's going on at triathlon magazine. Uh, Kevin, happy and safe trails and leave my country, please.
1: <laughs> I'm on my way out. Thanks so much, Phil. <laughs> And uh, great <laughs> chatting with you. And uh, we will look forward to catching up again soon.
0: That was uh, The Life of Try, folks. If you like us, uh, tell your mates outside of that. We will see you in a week's time. Thanks for listening to The Life of Try. If you like us, tell your mates and follow us on Instagram at The Life of Try.